Hello, this is Jaden Fender. We want to thank you for listening today. We would love to connect with you on social media. Now let's go into the live message. Somebody say I'm favored. Somebody say I'm pregnant. See, that one always gets real quiet. I thought I was trying to trick you. You might not be physically pregnant. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. But y'all got very quiet. Somebody say I'm spiritually pregnant. There you go. Or maybe this is a time for you to turn to your spouse and tell them. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. There there is a time that the enemy would like for you to be troubled by the good news. This is good news, yet she is troubled. Can I encourage somebody and tell you sometimes the bigness of what God is doing can be frightening if you look at it through physical eyes. But if you look at it through spiritual eyes, nothing God gives you should be troubling. Nothing God promised you should be troubling. But she was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Somebody say forever. And his kingdom will never end. Somebody say never, ever, ever. Amen. You may be seated. Talking about the advents or one of the advents, meaning the coming of Christ, but the subtitle I like is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We're going to end tonight talking about an event that is, that is yet to happen, the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is not a figurative rapture, it is a literal rapture. If Jesus were to come back right now, this mic would hit the floor and this champion's jacket would hit the floor, but your boy would not hit the floor, I would go right through the roof to meet Jesus in the air. I always wonder what a shame it will be if Jesus chooses to come back at Sunday at 11.25 a.m. Because there will be some that are left in the church that never became the church. There will be some that in the middle of worship, maybe even with hands uplifted, that are left in the house. I've come to tell somebody the advent of Jesus, he's come once, but he is going to show up again. And what you do with Jesus in this season of your life will determine whether you and I are caught up to meet him in the air or whether we are those that are left behind. But here this time of year as blood-bought believers, we choose to celebrate the advent of Jesus, the fact that Jesus showed up in this world. Last week we celebrated and I asked you the question, aren't you glad that in our misery and in our mess up and in our sin-filled world, aren't you glad that Jesus decided to show up? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to us when we could not get to him? One of our social media posts that our team made this, this week, they said, it is the season to celebrate Jesus' birth only for some internet troll to come on and say, it has nothing to do with Jesus. And in Romans, uh, B.C., da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and instead of answering him, we just deleted the comment and blocked because I don't believe that Jesus was born on December 25th. It's just the day that we celebrate. It doesn't matter whether it's February 25th, July 25th, December 
25th. The day doesn't matter. I'm just glad that in my sin and in my messed up state, Jesus showed up. Advent literally means the coming of Christ into the world out of heaven. God wraps himself and robes himself in humanity. And there's a lot that would make to do about Jesus' skin color. Was he black? Was he brown? Was he white? Was he red? None of that matters because he wrapped himself in dirt, but he was all God in that moment. He would live 33 years, go to a cross, and he would bleed red blood. That is all that I care to know about Jesus and what he looked like because it's not what he looked like that saved you. It is who he is, amen, that saved us. Advent means to come into view. He had always been there, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, before we ever, thousands of years before we get to the manger, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, 27, and 28, God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus was there from the beginning. He was always there, always willing, always ready to be unleashed on this earth. But the advent, the the celebration of Christmas is that Jesus finally came into view. The God that had been in heaven is now on earth. Advent means the arrival of. And so last week we talked about, we began to talk about Jesus' arrival on this earth. Tonight we will continue to talk about that, but we will also talk about the second advent, Jesus' arrival into your life and into my life. And then finally we will talk about Jesus' third advent, which has not yet happened, his future arrival, the rapture. Lessons from the advent that we left off talking about last week in Luke chapter 1, that Elizabeth shows up pregnant six months before the angel comes to Mary, and we made the point just to remind everybody that we as believers need to learn how to rejoice with those that rejoice. That sometimes what you are wanting God to do in your life in December, God does it in your best friend in December, and he makes you wait until June. But I am here to tell you God loves you, and he is no respecter of persons. And what he did in Elizabeth, Mary, he's going to do in you. And living way, what he did in someone else, he's going to do in you. He has not forgotten about you. Verse 27, to a virgin, Mary was pledged to be married. His name was Joseph, a descendant of David. The impossibilities become possible with the advent and the arrival of Jesus Christ. I made this point last week, and I've never heard anyone else say it. The reason that Jesus could so confidently say, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible, is just the very way he arrived onto this earth was an impossibility. And that is one way to prophesy to believers like you and me in December of 2023 that I showed up in an impossible way to do the possible when I came to this earth. And I need to remind somebody in the room and online tonight that God is still in the impossible working business. It might be impossible to you. Others might say it can't happen, shouldn't happen, or won't happen. But when Jesus shows up, whether it's in a manger, in your heart, or in your family, when Jesus shows up, all things are possible. Verse 28, the angel went on to tell her, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I need to remind you that no matter what you feel like today, no matter what it looks like today, I need to remind you that you are highly favored of the Lord. 
that when you said yes to Jesus and he became Lord and Savior of your life, the favor of God is on you and there is nothing the devil can do about it. The devil cannot take the favor of God off of you. The devil cannot steal the favor of God from you. The devil did not give it and the devil cannot take it away. Your enemy did not give it so your enemy cannot take it away. Somebody say, I'm favored. And the Lord is with you. Those two promises, church, will change your life. When you can wake up no matter what is going on in the world and look in the mirror and remind yourself, I am favored and God is with me. No matter where you go, I am favored and God is with me. No matter what you feel like, I am favored and God is with me. No matter what is said about you to you, maybe it's coming out of your own mouth. You need to remind yourself tonight, I am favored and God is with me and nothing has changed. Praise God. Verse 29, and we talked about it just for a brief moment during the reading of the text. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting is this. There was no small talk. There was no catch-up. There was no, Mary, how are you doing? The angel came in and said, hey, you're highly favored. God is with you, and God is getting ready, even though you're not married. Before you're married, God's getting ready to help you conceive a son that is going to change the world. Mary was greatly troubled. Church, if you are going to have the advent or the arrival of Jesus make a difference in your life, you are going to have to defeat doubt. Doubt must be defeated. Mary doubted, but she still gave birth to Jesus. Can I tell you something that God dropped in my spirit? Mary doubted, but she had nine months to defeat that doubt. You and I don't have nine months. Oh, that went over your head. Let me break it down. She was physically pregnant and had nine months to shake her head every morning and say, my stomach's not growing yet. I don't know if this is really going to happen. Then when her stomach began to grow and she began to show, I don't know if this is really going to happen like the angel said it's going to happen. She had nine months to doubt and to defeat that doubt. But I've come to let somebody today know that before you get up from your seat tonight, you need to defeat doubt. You don't have till July or August of next year because God's got a purpose in January with your name on it. God's got a breakthrough and a miracle with your name on it and we don't have time and you don't have time and culture does not have time to wait on us to defeat our doubt. That's why when doubt pops in, the Holy Spirit should shun and reject that doubt in Jesus' name and doubt should turn to faith all within 30 seconds. When you wake up tomorrow and say, I don't think I can, in, in your ears should echo the words of Gabriel. You are favored. God is with you, and God is going to do what he promised he would do. Doubt defeated. Before you ever pour, pour a bowl of cereal, your doubt has already been defeated. You're a person of faith, and you're ready to take on the world. She had nine months to defeat doubt. You and I do not. Your kids cannot wait on you for nine months to defeat that doubt. 
Your marriage is not going to last another nine months until unless you defeat that doubt before you leave this building or you click off the live stream tonight. I've come to dominate and defeat doubt in the life of believers tonight. Yes, God can. Yes, you will. And the devil is a liar and defeated. And what God has promised, you're going to hold in your hands. She had nine months to defeat doubt. You and I do not. But the angel said unto her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You have faith. He said you are favored, and you have found favor with God. He said favor rests on you, but I love this. Favor has given you an audience with God. You know what I love? about the New Testament church is that Jesus promised us a comforter and he promised us the Holy Spirit. I know I've got some friends and there's some great Living Way church members that you used to be Catholic. Aren't you glad that you're not having to run down to the confessional every other day? Aren't you glad that you're not sitting in a box next to a priest who should be confessing some of what he's done to you? I am so glad that at any time when I am doubting, I remember not only am I favored, but I have favor with God. So if I've got a problem with what God God has promised, I don't have to go to anyone else. I can go to him and say, hey, God, about what you said yesterday, can you clarify or encourage me in some of that? I love having a prayer partner, a praise partner. I love having somebody to pray with. But at the end of the day, church, if you can't find somebody to pray for you, if you can't find somebody to agree with you, understand this. Jesus is praying for you. The Holy Ghost is praying for you. But you've got a direct line to God the Father. You have found favor with him. So choose favor over fear. Here's the question, church. If we have the choice of favor and fear, why do so many choose fear? I can't ask, answer that question in, in a succinct way, but I think a lot of times we use fear because it relieves us of the responsibility to have faith. Because it's easier to be afraid. It's easier to run. It's easier to cower in a corner. But you have to realize that what you carry and the promise and the advent of Jesus coming into your life is not only going to change your world, but the world you live in. Choose favor over fear. It's literally like cheesecake or asparagus. The choice is easy. Water or Dr. Pepper, the choice is easy. Mint of water. Come on, some of y'all. Fighting those crowds shopping or coming to midweek on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. The choice should be easy. Here's a New Year's resolution. Always choose favor. Never choose fear. Fear is a choice. Always choose favor. If fear is there, realize that favor is also an option. I'm not going to step into, into fear and being scared and timidity. I'm going to step into the boldness of favor and say, no, God didn't bring me this, this far to bring me this far. If he promised me this and I'm in the throes of, of pregnancy and carrying this thing, I know God is going to bring it to pass. Church, you can be favored or you can be fearful, but you can't be both. I've never met a favored, fearful person. 
I've never met a fearful, favored person. When they're favored, there's no fear. But when they're fearful, there's no favor. Mary has a moment to choose whether I'm going to be scared, whether I am going to be fearful, or whether I'm going to remember that God sent this angel to speak into my life the promise of God. And he has now twice encouraged me, reminded me, and prophesied over that you are favored and you have found favor. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Conception. You will conceive. Even when I can't see it, it has happened. I don't know what it's like to be pregnant. Some of you ladies know in the house that you were pregnant four, five, six, seven weeks before you were knew you before you knew you were pregnant. You finding out you're pregnant doesn't make you pregnant. Being pregnant makes you pregnant. Follow me now. There's no such thing as I'm a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you are not pregnant. No one says, oh, I'm a little bit pregnant. They say I am six weeks along. I am in my second trimester. They are describing how long they've been pregnant. But I want to tell somebody today that when Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, she didn't know she was pregnant yet, but it didn't change the fact that she was pregnant. I'm going to bring it home with this now. Some of you are sitting here and God has, has helped you conceive. You conceived back in October. You just don't know you're carrying yet. God did something in November. You just don't know what you've been carrying. But in just a little bit, you're going to begin to show. In just a little bit, your body is going to announce to you and to everybody around you. You weren't there at conception, but the Lord has started something. His advent, his arrival has begun. Jesus didn't show up in a manger. He showed up in a virgin. The first place we talk about his arrival is in the manger. No, 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 no. He arrived at conception. Joseph didn't know she was pregnant. Mary didn't know she was pregnant. Her parents didn't know she was pregnant. She's out in the marketplace. None of her friends know she's 16 years of age, a sophomore in high school. Nobody knows she's pregnant, but she is carrying something that is going to change her life and change the world. And I've come to let somebody know today, you might not know. The people you run with might not know, but you and I are carrying something that is going to change the world. The world says it like this, I'll believe it when I see it. But believers say, I'll see it when I believe it. That's what faith says. Faith says, I'll see it when I believe it. My belief in it is going to bring it to pass. There are some of us that are living in that faithless place that I've got to see it before I believe it. But remember, one of the greatest things that Jesus ever said was after he resurrected and he is standing there with his disciples and he said, blessed are you because you have seen. But he goes, there is a blessing. More blessed are those who have not yet seen, but they still believe. Verse 32, he will be great, be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. 
His kingdom will never end. Let's talk about the second advent real quick. Luke chapter 19, verse 9. This is the story of Zacchaeus. You grew up in church. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. I don't want to go through and don't have time to go through the entire story of Zacchaeus and Jesus, but there are some great, great points in Zacchaeus and Jesus. The Bible says Zacchaeus knew that Jesus was coming into Jericho, and he was too short of stature to see over the crowd. So the Bible says he runs ahead of where Jesus is going, and he climbs a sycamore tree. This has nothing to do with the advent, but I never preached Zacchaeus without preaching this point. Isn't it amazing that Zacchaeus knew where Jesus was going? There's a place that you can get in your spirit where it's not just getting where Jesus is. I know where Jesus is going. I know the direction of the church. I know where kingdom is moving. And the Bible says he climbs up in the tree. And your Bible, go read it for yourself. The Bible says Jesus walks down that street in Jericho. And when he gets to the sycamore tree, he looks up. Jesus knew exactly where Zacchaeus was going to be. Zacchaeus knew exactly where Jesus was going to be. He says, come down from that sycamore tree because today I'm going to your house. Isn't it amazing? Jesus knew where Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus knew where Jesus was going to be. And and a divine intersection happens. And now Jesus is becoming, the advent is becoming possible in the life of Zacchaeus. Everybody on the street said, I can't believe that Jesus is going to the house of a sinner and a house of sinners like Zacchaeus has. But this is what the Bible says. We we don't even read the context. The Bible says, when you go a little further in verse 9 and 10, that Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek that which was lost, to seek and save that which was lost. This was in direct, direct answering of those that said, I can't believe that Jesus would go into their life. I'm glad that when I was a sinner, I'm glad when I was messed up, I'm glad when everybody said, why him? I'm glad when there was a hundred excuses why he should not advent and show up in my life. I am glad that he called me out of the tree. And he said, you wanted to see me? I'm going to do you better. I'm going to let you experience me. Show me to your house. And the Bible says the reason Jesus went through Jericho, the reason he came was to seek and save that which is lost. And in this Christmas season, I want to encourage you that Jesus is still looking for Zacchaeus. Jesus is still wanting to go home with you. Jesus is still wanting to show up and advent into your life. Stand on your feet. For I'm going to your house today is what the song would say. To seek and save that which is lost. The first advent when Jesus is born in a manger, check this out. He changes the world. But the second advent, when Jesus shows up into your life like he did Zacchaeus, he might have changed the world with the first advent, but now he's ready to change your world, to change your life. You say, well, coming to the manger, wasn't that enough? Oh, if, if you reciprocate, it's enough. But remember, there are eight billion people, eight and a half billion people on, on this planet right now. And at the very conservative number two and a half or liberal number two and a half billion I don't know if you know this or not but when I walk through Walmart I don't know if all them people are saved y'all I don't know if one out of every four I know knows Jesus 
So the first advent, he shows up in a manger. The second advent, he shows up at the tree of your life. He says, hey, I want to go home with you. Oh, no, Jesus, I don't want you to come home. I just wanted to get a glimpse. See, there's a lot of people that come to church for a glimpse of Jesus. I don't want a glimpse of Jesus. I want an advent. I want him born into my life, into my home, into my house. The first advent changed the world. The second advent changed your world. The third advent has not happened. It's the future arrival. It's the rapture. The Bible says in verse 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud shout. The voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive, and I plan on being in that number, church, we will be caught up together to meet him in the clouds. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. My mom and I have had this conversation many times. And it's a sobering conversation, but I have, want to have it with our church family tonight. And maybe I'm not talking about you. Maybe I'm talking to somebody at home, wherever that red light is. Maybe I'm talking to somebody on the other side of that screen. Maybe I'm talking about prodigals. Maybe I'm talking about somebody who didn't show up tonight. But this is the sobering conversation that I've had many times with my mother. That if people really believe that Jesus was coming back, they wouldn't act and live like they do today. And I'm not talking about the unsaved, the heathen, the worldly. I'm talking about the two and a half billion that say they know Jesus. Let's be honest, church. If they really believe Jesus was coming back, they wouldn't be at North Star tonight. They'd be sitting in these seats. We'd have to have three or four Wednesday night services. They say they believe it, but do they really believe it? I'm here to announce to you that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back for a church that is not whimpering, a church that is not hiding, a church that is not in the morgue, a church that is not weak. He is coming for a church that is without spot, without wrinkle. He's coming back for a bride that has oil in her lamp. He's coming back for a bride that is looking to the eastern sky. He's coming back for a church that is ready. So here's my challenge to us. Worship like he's coming back. Pray like he's coming back. Serve like he's coming back. Witness like he's coming back. Reach forward like he's coming back. Live like he's coming back. Operate behind closed doors like he's coming back.